0: Hosea, chapter 3 this evening, Sunday nights through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. In chapter 3, Hosea, uh, the book basically breaks into two sections in which the first three chapters are made up of Uh, Hosea taking on the form almost of a parable in terms of uh, marrying Gomer who was uh, a harlot and then having children from this woman uh, of harlotry, all of it an image of the relationship between God and Israel uh, at at this time in her spiritual adultery, in her uh, idolatry, in her violation of the marriage covenant which was the law of Moses, and the law of Moses was uh, the keeping of the law of Moses, the understanding of it on the part of God. Israel lost track of that it was not as a means of righteousness or earning your way to heaven, but it was the basis for a uh, intimacy and a relationship with God, and so she 's fallen after these idols and and uh, and so uh, Hosea, uh, his children, Gomer, all representing this. Uh, A terrible uh, um, collapse and uh, a depth of darkness of the relationship between uh, God and Israel. And so that imagery continues here in chapter 3. And in then chapter 4, Hosea will take kind of the traditional form of the prophet in basically speaking the prophecies to the nation, uh, northern kingdom of Israel, as opposed to kind of acting. Uh, them uh, out. And so, uh, then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is uh, loved by a lover and committing adultery. And so, apparently, uh, here you have Hosea. He has married Gomer out of harlotry, prostitute, had children with her. You would think uh, that um, she would have been kind of eternally grateful for the how she had landed in life and have a loving husband and children and all of these things and and taken care of and and being loved the way that she was and um, and be forever grateful for it, but here evidently she returns to her harlotry she returns to her uh, prostitution. And she's now uh, has left Gomer, uh, left uh, Hosea, and is now living and being loved by a lover committing adultery. And then here is the you know the whole picture here, just like uh, the love of the Lord for uh, the children uh, of the Lord, for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. and so raisin cakes were eaten as a part of the worship of Baal in those days. Um, As you might imagine, a raisin cake would be like a pretty good dessert in our days. And it was a dessert. It was a sweet in those days. And so, just more uh, a part of kind of the sensual uh, worship of Baal. But that phrase where he instructs Hosea uh, that he's to go get Gomer once again, and and represent just like the love of the lord for the children of israel so that's what he's representing is the love of god for the children of israel that he would not only rescue her rescue israel rescue us from the depth of her original depravity but she turns her back on that rescue returns to uh, 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 the heinousness of her former life. And then God says, for you to represent my heart properly toward my people, Hosea, it means you even go after her in with this history. Now, this is stunning. This is uh, shocking. And he's going to get a little bit later into the book talking about the sins that she had Uh, Israel had committed against God, but it speaks about in each of our own lives, you can look at that and you'd say, at what point would I continue to chase a spouse uh, engaged in this activity, but engaged in this activity as an affront to me, as an affront to the relationship, as speaking of how little she cares or he cares for this. And yet uh, we see the love of God here clearly going beyond uh, where most of us would go in, in terms of uh, loving and continuing to pursue uh, someone who was sinning against us in, on this level. And so uh, Hosea obeys, and he went to buy her for himself, and the price that he had to pay was 15 shekels of silver, and and one-and-a-half homers of barley." So you say, wow, 15 shekels of silver and and one-and-a-half homers of barley, that's a lot of… No, it wasn't. Uh, 15 shekels of silver was the money that was the price to pay for a female slave uh, under the law of Moses. Uh, Barley… Remember at this time, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel is experiencing military success, their economy is booming. No human being is eating anything made by barley. This is animal food. Now when you read elsewhere in the Old Testament where they're eating barley and these cities that are under siege, it means they've run out of everything else. This was animal food. And so he, this is what he gets her for, uh, 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 how cheaply. And it really does speak to the fact, have you ever known sin to make a life more valuable? Uh, 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 it always degrades a life. It always uh, diminishes uh, a, a life. And so it is uh, uh, with her. And uh, probably she can't believe what she's, how little she's come to be uh, worth in the pursuit of her sin. And that's the way uh, that it always goes. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. Uh, And so even I will be towards you. You won't have intimate relationships with any men. I won't have an intimate relationship with you. And then he gives the reason why and what it represents. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or uh, sacred pillar without ephod or teraphim. In other words, you're going to represent now, even as I refuse to have intimate relationships, uh, re- relationship with with you uh, because of your sin. God is going to refuse to have uh, an intimate relationship with Israel in her current condition until she goes into the uh, Assyrian captivity where she will lose her sovereignty. She will lose her uh, ability to reign over herself, speaking about the kings and the princes. She will also um, uh, lose the privilege of uh, worshiping even in a hypocritical fashion, worshiping God there in uh, in the northern kingdom of israel all of that will be brought to a screeching halt uh, by virtue of uh, of uh, the assyrian invasion and destruction and then afterward the children of israel uh, shall return they will seek the lord their god and, uh, and so they, they did, following the Assyrian captivity, then that was followed by the Babylonian captivity. Um, but this speaks uh, even further beyond. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return, seek the Lord their God and David their king, uh, probably speaking, most probably, of uh, Jesus' rule uh, during the kingdom age, the thousand-year reign of Christ, and uh, where uh, Jesus will rule and reign over the earth. The Jews will recognize Him as their Messiah. Jesus uh, being a descendant of the bloodline of David, one of his uh, qualifications to be the Messiah, and then significantly, this last sentence: uh, "They shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days." And so that's why it's believed this point points on the short term uh, toward coming back from the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. But really, the fullest fulfillment will be at Jesus' second coming when the Jews will recognize uh, uh, Jesus to be their, uh, their Messiah. And so, uh, then in um, uh, uh, chapter 4, the Lord now moves, as we, we see here, moves, as I mentioned, moves to the uh, more formal uh, kind of methodology of the, pa- of the pre- uh, prophets, and that is to speak the word uh, of God. And so, uh, hear the word of the Lord, uh, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. And so what you have essentially here is a picture, uh, hear the word of the Lord, that is kind of like um, court is in session. Uh, When the judge enters into the room, please rise. And and when he talks about uh, the Lord brings a charge, we've got a court setting now. Uh, The context is a divorce proceeding uh, between God and the northern kingdom of Israel. And now the Lord is going to bring His charges against Israel for His grounds, the grounds that He has to divorce her. He won't do that, but the grounds that He does have to divorce her so that anyone could look and uh, realize uh, who is at fault in the damage that has been done uh, to this relationship. And so he begins to list now uh, these uh, sins uh, that were uh, dominating the culture, and it, it may uh, hit closer to home than than uh, you and I might care to uh, admit. The, when, when God speaks these things as Hosea, God does through Hosea to the children of Israel, that was a theocracy. It wasn't a democracy or a, um, you know, a, a republic or anything any other form of government. It was a theocracy. Israel is in a, was in a category of, of one. And so the parallels o- over were not under the, the Old Testament law in, in that sense. But uh, the parallels co- ca- carry over to the United States of America in a strong way because we have a Judeo-Christian uh, foundation for our nation. Uh, we're not like other countries in the world that have never known, never known. There are, uh, Huge countries in, in the world have never known a Christian revival. They have never known what we have known and are turning away from. They've never had the privilege we have had the privilege of our laws our courts our society being founded upon uh, the righteous standard uh, of the bible god's definitions of right and wrong so we see the the, the same kind of thing that if uh, any nation ourselves fitting probably most closely of all certainly uh, england would be in that category but following Uh, most closely of all, perhaps, in all of the world, we see what happens when you turn your uh, back upon the Lord and then what happened ultimately to the the northern kingdom of Israel. He begins very interestingly to me in that latter part of verse 1 by declaring uh, what uh, what sins were at the core of all of the other sins. At the the end of verse 4 here, Uh, or rather verse 1, I was looking at the chapter. At the end of of verse 1 here, He gives us the core sins. And all of the other sins we're going to read on through these chapters are all symptom sins. They're sins that come out of a failure of uh, these core sins. And He declares what is at the the, uh, the core of the problem is, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the uh, land. And this is what he uh, lays out with just a beautiful clarity. So they had ceased, as a a kingdom, they had ceased to recognize anything that they would recognize as ultimate truth within, uh, within the culture. Uh, Anything that could be looked at, and the entire culture would look at it and and say, this is foundational, immovable, undeniable, universal truth, uh, including uh, the commandments of, uh, of God and God's Word. And so, in rejecting the truth of God's Word and His commandments, now, in the northern kingdom of Israel, there was no truth that was viewed as authoritative, None. Because once a people will reject the authority of God's word and his commandments, then they will pay little heed to whatever commandments human beings then come up with as a replacement and then try to compel other people to obey as authoritative. Once you throw that standard, once a society will not listen, Uh, to God in terms of right and wrong and definitions of good and bad. They will not listen to anything because it would be illogical. It's it's what you have to expect as a consequence of rejecting uh, uh, God's truth. And so you end up with a, a nation in which, like the northern kingdom of Israel, everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Because if you as a nation take and remove the authority of God's Word, try to replace it with your own legislative agenda or your own uh, cultural kind of definitions of right and wrong, I'm not going to listen to you. You're not any smarter or dumber than me. I'll live life how I want. And that lands you firmly in the book of Judges where everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in the land there was no authority that's where people go when you remove truth and and an authoritative truth from the culture and that's the bit of the mess that that we find ourselves in uh here here presently and and so the uh, the the removal of this the whole cycle of course of judges was god would bless the nation of israel they would begin to sin then god would chasten them and life would become so miserable and impossible that they would then turn to god and repentance and ask for one more chance god would send a judge to deliver them and then they would return to a relationship with god and then they'd get fat and sassy spiritually again and the whole cycle was over and over and over and over again uh, because it has to be a cycle. Uh, because uh, because w- no matter what man does, and what our culture has forgotten, is, is that whatever we think of God, He still rules. His Word is still truth. You cannot fight His Word and win. And, and so you're up against truth. You're up against the entire way He has created the world. Uh, you're up against the entirety of creation. You're up against the entirety of how He has crea- created human beings, uh, inside and out. It has no hope of uh, of of, uh, uh, of of being uh, successful. I think about it in, 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 as we think about the fact that human beings are meant to operate from something called truth, and that's why God has given us. Truth. Imagine waking up as an individual uh, every morning and you have no ultimate foundational recognized truth in your life. And you wake up in the morning and you get going, you jump out of bed, and in every decision that you face, the dozens of decisions that you're going to face in the course of that day you are not able to make them from a foundation of truth. You're going to look at those and you're going to do what's right in your own eyes. And and you're having to discover truth for how to handle all of the things that are coming uh, against you in the course of the day. You have to define what truth is. Who could bear the burden? Who could bear the burden? And, and that's what you have in, in uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. The parallels with the United States are very, very uh, strong. And so here you have a country that is trying to move forward, and have, but having gotten rid of God's definitions of right and wrong and truth. Now they have to determine what is truth with every decision. And now you're going to delve into chaos. That's why you have transgenderism and this kind of thing, sex no longer being determined on the basis of chromosomes. Where does that go? And in the last few days, maybe you've been reading about uh, the Proud Boys and Antifa and other demonstrations out in front of that spa down in Southern California where the guy that declared himself to be a woman went into the spa in front of women and children uh, naked and created a fuss. And that's the problem is, is that when the government does not do the hard thing and the right thing on that level then they leave it to the citizens to work it out on a street level. And that's where all of this is headed, on all of these goofy levels. And that's just one area of the nonsense that's going on within our culture. It, it, it leads to chaos, and, and, and it leads to a lot of problems. So there was no truth and no mercy. So on top of removing any idea or recognition of ultimate truth in life, then take and teach a population uh, selfishness to the nth degree. Teach them that they're the most important person in the whole world and that everybody else in the world and the whole world uh, on its own is just a set for the most important thing that is happening in life and that is their life. And then nurture that selfishness so that they feel uh, that about themselves and that everybody feels that way uh, uh, about themselves. And then you are going to end up with a nation you, as with the northern kingdom of Israel in which there is no mercy. There will be no compassion on other human beings because I'm more important than every other human being. And so there'll be no uh, compassion, no mercy of, of human beings toward one another, and, uh, and then things become very, very violent. They become very, very brutal. It is no mistake that when the Apostle Paul listed in, uh, in the pastoral epistles about what would be the signs of of the last days that he said in the last days he began with men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and so he goes through the list and ultimately he gets to the list and he says they will be brutal once you teach people that they are the most important thing in the world no concern for a nation that they live in or a family or other human beings then that's going to be followed by brutality and, and so it is. And then you do the worst thing of all, uh, no truth, no mercy, or no, uh, knowledge, uh, 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 no knowledge of God uh, in uh, the land. And so here you have the northern kingdom of Israel where they've reached a place where not, had, not only had people ceased to know um, God individually and personally, uh, but now People had ceased to even know about God anymore, and uh, deliberately removing God from the entire public uh, realm—out of uh, higher education, out of the schools, off of the media—shun it, crowded into a corner, as if you can do that uh, and not have consequences within a civilization or within a a, uh, and society. And you look at it. Uh, and if you're my age and you see how rapidly all of this uh, has gone, even in the last few years, but how different it is from, uh, from uh, not that many decades ago in this country. You talk to the average person and God has been shoved so far into the the corner beginning with the removal of the Ten Commandments and, and the public settings and all of that and it just continued on from that uh, you know couple decades ago and now you are more likely to, when you talk to a person in the United States of America talk to somebody who knows nothing about the Bible, nothing about God nothing about His Word, nothing about His commandments as to run into somebody uh, who has. That's how effective uh, our culture has been uh, in, uh, in that way and of course why do you remove the knowledge of God in the land because the God of the Bible is the only one who stands against this kind of thing he, he is the great obstacle uh, to any culture civilization world uh, going into this kind of insane uh, anarchy and uh, dissolution so uh, of course, that has to be attacked, uh, and uh, but there's a price to be paid for it. And so here uh, Hosea goes into the price that is paid for doing this kind of thing by swearing and lying. And so swearing is the idea of not of cursing or using profanity, but uh, people's word meant nothing. They would say they would promise to do something and... Uh, and uh, 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 but they're lying, Uh, killing and stealing. Uh, How many uh, newscasts do you need to watch of how many shootings, how many deaths in the major cities of the United States of America and beyond? And you think about it from the context, not even of the New Testament, but the Old Testament. And when someone was murdered under the law of Moses in the land, They would bring the elders out from both uh, from the city that was closest to the murder, and if it was between two cities, then the elders of both cities would come out, and they would try to determine what the guilt was. And then, if there was, they couldn't determine who had done the murder, then there was sacrifices that were given in order to cleanse the land of bloodshed. And that's why it was a means in which God wanted people to realize, don't ever get used to this. Don't ever get used to people just being murdered in your country and not realizing this says something, uh, uh, that something is very, very wrong within the society and yet we're numb to it i can listen to the uh, statistics concerning uh, chicago and baltimore and new york and eat a bowl of cornflakes at the same time Uh, be unmoved by it at all but that's where we are and then not just the killing but then the stealing the looting of everything and the committing of adultery they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed And that bloodshed upon bloodshed, it means blood touches blood. In other words, it's just one murder after another. And therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. And so this speaks of the fact that God would judge this by the Assyrian uh, the Assyrian Empire, uh, Empire come in and bring a devastating judgment upon the northern kingdom of Israel. And of course, he talks about the great price that would be paid uh, by that invasion on the part of wildlife, on the part of land. Anywhere in the world, you want to see a military uh, conflict or a military a war go on you see the devastation that it brings to the land to the vegetation to the animal life Uh, all of creation uh, bears terrible consequences for our folly if we follow the 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 path of assyria i mean of the northern kingdom of israel even as they would let no uh, uh, let uh, now let no man contend or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend uh, with a, a, a priest, and and so uh, there was uh, they, they wouldn't listen to anybody, and and when a priest told them something the right thing to do, they they. Uh, they would refuse even uh, that voice. And therefore, you shall stumble in the day. And here he, he uh, denounces the prophets, not like uh, uh, Hosea or Amos or the other prophets that were faithful to God. But here we're talking about people that declared themselves to be prophets in the northern kingdom of Israel. They were idolaters. They got that position because they were willing to tell the king anything that he wanted to hear. Um, but... They still claim to be prophets and the Lord holds them responsible for claiming to represent him on some level. He said, the prophet also shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. And mother speaks of of the land of Israel, kind of uh, birth here to to the children of Israel. And so God says He's going to judge now uh, the prophets because they were uh, supremely at fault. And here in that denunciation of the prophets, He says, for My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Destroyed for lack of knowledge. And not enough of them were getting PhDs, and it was a terrible, terrible effect uh, upon the culture. No, it's talking about a knowledge of God, a knowledge of God. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, a knowledge of God. And the fault of that lay with the priests, and it lay with the prophets. I am so glad that you are here this evening and you have come to church on a night where we are studying the book of Hosea. Uh, Think about a time in your life you would have never thought that you would come to church twice in the same day, let alone come to a Bible study on Hosea, and yet you're here because you want a knowledge of God. And I'm behind this pulpit because I'm called by God to uh, give us the knowledge of God from His Word. And the importance of that, and, and, and the resistance that is apparent in you and many others as well. The, the idea that somehow we're going to make uh, super saints, saints that are going to be able to stand in the difficulty of how the Bible describes the last days and stand uh, victoriously uh, as Christians on uh, little devotional sermons. Uh, that are 20 minutes long on a Sunday morning and think I'm going to uh, uh, be okay with that. We need the knowledge of God. We need meat. It's funny, you know, I'm up here three times on Sunday morning. I mean on Sundays, uh, twice in the morning, once in the evening. And what people don't realize is that I see them as well as they see me. And so, I don't judge people in terms of, oh, I've lost that one, they're asleep, and this kind of thing and all. I've worked for the phone company and and been up all night and still gone to church uh, and and all, and know what it is for the spirit to be willing, but the flesh to be weak. There's a lot of factors going on, a lot of physical things that people are dealing with, but I do know the look. When somebody looks at some, uh, and I'm teaching, And the moment it demands a little bit to concentrate in order to know God and what God is wanting to say in a passage, they're gone. And I know I'll never see them again in this church. Now, that can be a fault of mine in some kind of a way. But if if it's the fault of thinking that christianity is coming in every week for a pep talk and that's going to get me through provide me with the knowledge of god that i'm going to need to walk with god in any time in history much less the less the last days then i'm kidding myself so my point is and it may seem self-serving but my point is is that what is happening in the study of the word of god it needs to happen and they stop teaching the Word of God. The prophets and the priests did. And uh, and that was catastrophic. And the reason they stopped teaching it was because you have rejected knowledge. They didn't uh, like what God's Word had to say. It went against where the culture uh, was going. Do you realize I've made a terrible sacrifice for this congregation in order to be your pastor? I can never run for office anywhere. Uh, in the county or the, uh, the city or the state or whatever, there's way too much on tape for me to ever, ever get. They don't have to go looking anywhere to have, have me uh, 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 hung up uh, and, and uh, lynched on the basis of just something I've said in the last week, probably from the pulpit, because what God says is so contrary uh, to the culture. But the priests and the prophets must stand. They must stand. If everyone else in the culture caves, they must stand and and do what they are called to do. And that's why I know myself, all of the other pastors on staff, we are so thankful for your prayers related to this. We know what we're up against. We know what the culture is doing around us. We know what the pressures are to say, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about this. Let's not talk about this thing over here because it'll alienate a section of, of the body. And that pressure is is always uh, on there. And so they began to reject that knowledge. And out of that, they they ceased to teach it. And God says, I also will will reject you from being priest uh, for me. Because now all I've got is a title uh, because I'm not fulfilling the role. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget uh, your children. And then he said... The, the more they increase, talking about the priests, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. Now, you would think that in the, uh, in the land of Israel that the more priests you had, uh, the holier things would be. But the priesthood had been so defiled that the more priests that they had, Uh, the priests led the nation into even greater sin and apostasy. And and so they were having exactly uh, the the opposite uh, influence. That's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? The more pastors you added or the more uh, prophets or priests that were added, uh, the worse things got because of the influence they brought into the situation uh, for wickedness. And then in this continued denunciation of them, I will eat up the sin. Uh, They will eat up, speaking of the prophets, the sin of my people. They set their heart on iniquity. And so here's what happens. Sin was good for business for a priest in that culture. Because even if you were going to give kind of a nominal nod to God, uh, they're worshiping Baal, Baal, they're worshiping these golden calves and all, but they still kept this ritualistic kind of worship of of the Lord in play, which involved offering a sacrifice for uh, as a sin offering. And so the more the culture sinned, the more sin offerings and other offerings came in then to be sacrificed, a portion of which uh, then went to uh, the priest. So, it was, uh, uh, this was a way for them to become a, a, a wealthy on some level. Then it shall be like people, like priests. And I will also punish them for their ways and reward them for uh, their deeds. In other words, God said, your position will not protect you when i lower the boom of judgment and chastisement on the northern kingdom don't think that title is going to protect you at all for they eat uh, but uh, uh, for they shall eat but not have enough they shall commit harlotry but not uh, increase because they have ceased Obeying the Lord, harlotry, wine, and new wine enslaved the heart. And so, for the priests, for the culture, the culture was all about now sex and wine, uh, engaging in in immorality and getting bombed. And that was the that was imagine that being the focus of your priests. I mean, where where's where's where do you go from there? When that level of, of corruption, you want to talk about a swamp, now that's a swamp that's more dangerous than any other swamp. And that's exactly what, uh, 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 how far away uh, from God and godly influence the priests and the prophets had gone. And by people shall ask counsel from their wooden idols and their staff uh, informs them. And so it's not talking about church staff, it's talking about a literal staff. And uh, what they would do uh, is they would take a a wooden staff and they would hold it, and then if they wanted to know to go in a particular direction or uh, have the staff go in this direction or this direction, if I'm supposed to make this decision or this decision, and they'd hold the staff, they'd let go of it, and wherever it fell, based upon what they had predetermined, uh, wherever it fell, that's how they determined uh, their future. That was their uh, decision-making. A wooden stick, that you're holding up and however it falls. Imagine, now I mean we're mortified by that uh, uh, enough, but imagine watching this from heaven. You have access to the true and the living God, you have access to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and imagine how uh, the angelic hosts and the Godhead proceeded to look at what we have been replaced by. I mean, what an affront. We have been replaced in the hearts and minds of these people by a stick. And that's, where, that's how far uh, down uh, they had, had gone. And God noticed. And they have played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops. They burn incense on the hills under oaks, poplars, and terebinths, because their shade is good." And so, most idolatry took place on the mountaintops, the highest point in the land that was covered with trees. I mean, if you're going to engage in idolatry, it might as well be comfortable. And therefore, the daughters uh, commit uh, harlotry, your brides commit adultery. And I will not punish your daughters when they commit harlotry, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with a ritual harlot. And, and so uh, here is this uh, the, the sexual immorality, not only being engaged in by the men, but also by the women. God says, I'm not going to judge the women, uh, for their sexual immorality, because all they're doing is, uh, as he says to the men, is what uh, what you were doing in the the uh, temple prostitution that that, that was uh, going on. So he he declared that uh, no, I'm going to I'm going to ignore it all related to all of your life. Uh, all of your lives as, as bad as as it is in terms of judging one over the other. I'll judge all of you. And therefore, people who do not understand will be trampled. And this is God's way of saying this is going to end disastrously. This is going to end in ruin. Is going to end in you being trampled. And you can almost hear uh, the, 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 the hoof uh, sounds of, uh, of the invading uh, cavalry of, uh, of the Assyrian army. And though you, uh, Israel, play the harlot, Uh, Let not Judah offend. Do not come up to Gilgal, nor go up to Beth-Avon, nor swear an oath, saying, As the Lord lives. So here God warns the southern kingdom of Judah. Northern kingdom of Israel will go into captivity to the Assyrians. Southern kingdom of Judah will not go into captivity to the Babylonians until a hundred years later and when they then commit the same sins that Israel was guilty of. And so he says to the southern kingdom of Judah, do not participate in what Israel is doing. Don't come to their feasts. Don't come to the cities where their religious activities are uh, carried on. Uh, Stay away from Gilgal and Beth-Avon, which were, were those kind of cities. Separate yourself from them don't come here stay away stay away from this place i am i am going to uh judge it and it is important for us to learn from uh uh, people that have lived before us or to learn from other people's mistakes and and for judah to look and say look at what god did in judging the northern kingdom of israel if we participate in those same sins, he will have to judge us as well. And yet they, they couldn't learn, the, they didn't learn the, the, what they should have learned from a failure in someone else's life. We don't all have to learn everything the hard way, but by looking at other people and saying, oh man, that does not end well. I am not going in that direction. Uh, But again, in our culture, there is very little learning from the mistakes of other people. One of the reasons is, is because you never hear about the mistakes of other people. They're kept off the headlines. They're kept out of circulation. It's it's as if there's this plan to let everybody engage in sin, and then when the consequences come to bear on individual lives, nobody makes a peep about it even though the victims are heaped up as high as the sky in terms of of the uh, the sins that are being allowed. But you notice they never test, uh, they never try their so-called wisdom related to sin by ever letting that get out. But we have to look at it and learn from what people see. No one in this entire culture uh, should uh, become a heroin addict. Uh, 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 or uh, 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 addicted to any of the drugs that everyone was blowing their brains out in the 60s. I mean, this news is 50 years old, what it did to people. And yet we drive down the roads and we see all kinds of people living in all kinds of under overpasses and by canals and all kinds of things, most of it related to mental illness associated with substance uh, abuse. And it's because we're not learning from our mistakes because nobody will say that's a mistake. So we've got to look out for ourselves. And we've got to listen to God. Because he's the only one that knows what he's talking about, and he's the only one that loves us the way that he uh, does. He does something uh, interesting God does when he talks about uh, beth Aven here. Uh, he's really referring to Bethel, and Bethel and Gilgal were major sites for uh, the, the idolatry in the northern kingdom. But he won't even call it Bethel, because Bethel means the house of God. Bet, meaning house, El, Elohim, meaning God, the house of God. And he can't bring himself to call that city the house of God anymore. And so he calls it Beth-Avon, which means the house of uh, wickedness. And nor uh, swear an oath saying, as the Lord lives. And then he begins to liken Israel uh, to these different illustrations that he gives and um, he said, for Israel is stubborn like a stubborn calf. And uh, I've, n- I've, never been a, um, I've never been a rancher, worked around cattle that much. I rode a horse at Knott's Berry Farm uh, one time. And uh, boy, was that guy on his last legs. Too much jelly. uh, But but I've been on a horse a few times, never really dealt with calves, but I've seen them enough to know that when they lock those front legs, you're going to have trouble moving them. And So he says, this is what Israel's like, I'm trying to move them to safety, I'm trying, I'm trying to… they've they've locked in, so their their refusal, their rebellion uh, to be moved and now the Lord will let them forage like a lamb in open country. So he likens them to a stubborn calf and then to a lamb in open country. Now, lambs and sheep aren't known in the Scripture as being a particularly bright animal. Um, And uh, they're relatively defenseless. They have no tusks. They have no horns. Uh, They have no big fangs. They don't even have a very violent temperament Uh, for survival. Uh, They are just this plump little meal uh, sitting out in the middle of the wilderness. You've heard of Meals on Wheels? That's what they are out there. You put a lamb alone out in the wilderness, and it's speaking of Israel's vulnerability, that they're going to be uh, destroyed. And and that was how God looked at them and said, They got their military, they got their economy. It seems like it's impossible that their country uh, could ever uh, be overthrown in that way. I look at them and I see they're a lamb in open country. Ephraim is joined. Uh, two idols. Ephraim speaks of the northern kingdom of Israel. Ephraim uh, was by far the largest of the uh, ten tribes in the the northern kingdom of Israel, and so the most dominant and uh, influential. And so God would often refer to the northern kingdom of Israel as Ephraim. Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. And the idea is uh, he's only going to learn the hard way now. And uh, let them alone, their drink is rebellion, they commit harlotry continually, their rulers uh, dearly love dishonor, the wind has wrapped her up in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. And this wind that is talking about wrapping them up in its wings, it speaks about the fact that they will be wrapped up in judgment uh, because uh, of their uh, sin and so we'll stop there tonight and ask the worship team to come forward and lead us in a couple of songs as we uh, close out uh, the evening. And and as we stop here, we have to stop and um, a, a, and put a not a positive spin on it, but to really understand what God is doing here. God is not done with these people now. You might look at it and go, if I was God, you ever said that? If I was God, no one would be in the fast lane but me. <laughs> and no CHP between here and wherever I'm headed. But if I was God, and, uh, uh, and so here is the Lord, he's going to, to uh, judge them, but he doesn't give up on them. This is chastening. This is disciplining a child. And you discipline a child, but you don't give up on the child. He has incredible plans for the Jewish people, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The Messiah hasn't even been born into human history through the Jewish bloodline much less uh, the second coming and the millennial age, which has to do largely with the Jews and, and the, the great tribulation period. He has, he has great plans intended for the Jewish people. And so he's at work, but the only way they'll listen to him, the only way he can get them on that path and to consider his call upon their life to be valuable is to allow deep, deep chastening to occur in their their lives and so he will and that's why when god convicts us of a sin and uh and and I I talk about the fact in the past I have that god's got me on a choke chain and I like it because he'll start he will talk to me fast about some goof up what are you talking like that i mean what you can't, you know, or whatever it might be. I'm not talking trash to people. I don't want you to think uh, that, that kind of a thing. But you walk away and that, that just might not have been right or whatever it might be. And to, uh, to repent quickly of it because Israel, uh, God was going to judge them and chasten them. But Israel was going to determine how hard it was going to be. And uh, because uh, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And they determined that it would have to be very, very hard. And so tonight as we close, if any of us are walking in any kind of a rebellion against God or need to rededicate our lives uh, to the Lord, we certainly… If the book of Hosea won't bring us to that place, then what, you know, what will it take? And uh, so to, to, to do that, but again, to realize and to see and hear, even above everything, the greatness of God's love. He would not give up on them. And maybe your sin and my sin hasn't gone to where Gomer's sin went and some of the sins that we've read uh, about tonight. But we know what it is to sin. We know what it is to drift. And we know what it is for him to interject himself into the situation and call us back out of it the greatness of the love of God uh, for his people. Mike, would you uh, lead us in worship?